Hey everyone, this is Steve from BJJ Mental Models. Hope you're doing well. And I've got some really exciting news for you today. This is a big one. We are actually launching another podcast. This one's a little bit different from the public feed. This is a bonus podcast that's going to be available on BJJ Mental Models Premium. So if you want to get this one, you're going to have to be a premium subscriber. But I do think you're going to want to get this one. So this is a completely separate podcast. Nothing to do with me. This one is hosted by Jake Luigi from Less Impressed, More Involved. Now, if you followed his work or if you've listened to his appearance on BJJ Mental Models, then you probably know what Jake is all about. Less impressed, more involved is, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of the best grapplers in the sport today, probably the best jiu-jitsu analytical resource you're going to find out there. Now, if you are not already a subscriber to Less Impressed, More Involved on YouTube, definitely recommend you give that a follow. But what we're putting together is a podcast hosted by Jake to specifically recap and cover the main developments and breakthroughs in the jiu-jitsu instructional scene. So think of it kind of like a Coles Notes or Spark Notes for jiu-jitsu instructionals. The idea is Jake is analyzing and breaking down the instructionals that you and I simply don't have the time or the budget to do. The idea here being that you could go out there and spend thousands of dollars and invest hundreds of hours in studying and wading through all of these instructionals to look for the most important bits. Or you could check out this podcast where Jake is going to run through all of the things that he's studying, all of the key points that he's pulled out of these instructionals and recap them for you so that you can assess what would be most valuable for you to study later on. This, I'm hoping, will be a tremendously valuable resource to grapplers everywhere. First of all, because again, it's going to save you a ton of time and money when it comes to instructional study, but it's also going to let you identify beforehand which instructionals are going Going to be most valuable to you. So you can potentially save hundreds, again, if not thousands of dollars, picking the instructionals that are really going to be useful to you and knowing in advance what you're going to get and what's going to be helpful before you spend your money. So again, this is just one of the many perks to joining BJJ Mental Models Premium. In addition to our entire course library, access to our amazing private community, and of course, access to direct coaching from world champs like Brianna St. Marie, Margot Ciccarelli, Emily Kwok, Dominica Oblanite. Uh, we just onboarded Josh McKinney onto our review team. So really amazing service there. It's also incredibly affordable given what we provide at that price point. And as of now, we've actually created several different flexible pricing plans. So depending on your budget, you can scale up or down as needed. All of that info is available at bjjmentalmodels.com if you want to sign up. Uh, but again, here, I'm going to give you the first episode with Jake for free so that you know what we're getting into here. Uh, so again, I'm happy to present. This is the first episode of what I'm, I'm guessing we're going to call Less Impressed, More Instructionals, <laughs> although I reserve the right to change the name. Do enjoy, and please, if you've got any feedback on how this could be better um, or what you'd like to see on this podcast going forward, or if you just want to know more information about premium and what it entails, do just shoot me a message. Again, all of the notes are in the description. So with that said, here's your freebie, our first episode with Jake Luigi. Enjoy. Hey everybody, so I just wanted to give you an insight into what I've been working on recently. And what that is, is open guard. And how I got there is I was initially studying half guard passing, and then I switched my attention to bottom half guard. And when I was studying half guard passing, my favorite way to basically get past like a knee shield or butterfly half guard or whatever 
was to just stand up and go into loose passing and try and force a situation where you don't have a knee shield to deal with, right? So from a bottom player's perspective, when I switched my attention to bottom half guard, we really need to be good at dealing with someone who just stands up out of half guard and threatens loose passing. So what that led me to is studying open guard. Now the primary resources that I've studied for open guard have been Danaher's Open Guard Volumes 1 and 2, the New Way versions, which are no gi. He has a one that's um, more gi oriented, but I didn't, I didn't watch that one. I just watched the no gi versions. Um, I also studied Gordon's Supine Instructional. I studied Gordon's Thou Shall Not Pass Instructional, which is his guard retention instructional. And I also studied a couple courses from Lachlan Giles which were the leg drag prevention course and the open guard retention course that are on his platform submeta. And basically what I'm gonna do here is just highlight the main concepts and techniques that I found helpful from these instructionals and share them with you all, kind of like a spark notes for jujitsu instructionals kind of thing. And I'm eventually planning to make this into like a whole instructional course, kind of like I did with the half guard passing, but for now I just kind of wanted to give you guys an insight into what I've been working on. So first things first, the goal of our opponent from open guard is to pass our legs and control our head and shoulders. And our goal as the bottom player is to either submit them or take top position. And in order to submit someone or take top position, we're gonna need to control that person, right? Control leading to submission is pretty famous saying in jiu-jitsu and it's kind of the goal of all jiu-jitsu and how we do that is we use frames and hooks right frames prevent people from coming towards us hooks prevent people from running away from us and usually we're using frames and hooks in some sort of combination to control our opponent and once we control our opponent we're able to go into our offense like attacks on their legs or off balance them to their butt or their hands and that's the general idea behind what we're trying to do from open guard but in order for us to use our legs and arms as hooks and frames, we need our limbs facing our opponent. So a lot of times our opponent is going to try and make our feet and knees face away from them so they can initiate their guard pass. And our goal as the bottom player is to always find ways to keep our feet pointed at our opponent or our knees pointed at our opponent. And Danaher calls this the law of feet and knees which basically just says if your feet are pointed at your opponent you're probably in good shape if your feet are not able to point towards your opponent you better make sure your knees are pointed towards them and if you can't get your feet or knees pointed towards your opponent you're probably about to get your guard passed and again just to go over some basic stuff that's kind of reiterated across all of these instructionals is the idea that you need to have your spine rounded and maintain your knee and elbow connection. So when you're trying to frame, you need to make sure that those frames are not coming at the cost of your knee and elbow disconnecting. You're always trying to keep your knee and elbow connected. And a great way to do that is to round your spine. It makes it easy for you to take your hips off the mat or your shoulders off the mat. And what Danaher says is everything you do in guard retention is just either taking your hips off the mat to, you know, recover your leg frames or high leg over, whatever you're going to do, or take your shoulders off the mat to do some sort of sit up as they're passing your guard and you can, you know, scoot your butt away and, and retain your guard that way. 
But here, in my opinion, is where things start to get a bit more interesting because when we're talking about guard retention, it's a very dynamic situation. So Danaher uses what he calls the knowledge denial model. So basically what this comes down to is in order for the top player to pass our guard, he needs to do six things. He needs to close distance. He needs to get a grip on us. He needs to create angle, change levels, penetrate your frames, meaning your knee elbow connection, and then solidify a pin. And they don't necessarily need to happen in that order, but all of those steps need to happen for our opponent to pass our guard. And all we need to do to stop them is just deny them one of those elements. But at the same time, we can't just deny them everything because then it's going to be hard to engage and do jujitsu. If we never let them close distance or get grips on us, it's going to be difficult for them to want to engage, right? So a lot of times we're kind of balancing the idea of letting them have a few elements versus denying them a guard pass. So an example that Danaher gives is you can let them have grips, but maybe not good grips or you can let them close distance, but not take angle. So for example, this could be something like De La Hiva, reverse De La Hiva, where you allow them to close distance, but they haven't created angle, right? They're still in front of you. Or even better, you take that position where you have both your feet to the inside and control of both their ankles. So they have distance, right? They, they close distance on you, but they have no angle and very weak grips. Maybe they're grabbing your head or something, but you know nothing that is going to prevent you from off-balancing them and going into your offense. So when we're playing open guard, a lot of times you're playing in this middle ground and it's a lot of give and take. And this is something that Danaher and Gordon emphasize a ton in all of their instructionals where you're going from defensive cycles to offensive cycles. You can't just stay defensive. It's just going to be like a means to an end. You know, you got to eventually attack. Otherwise, you're going to get your guard passed. And this is exactly what they mean by that. You're going to give your opponent a little bit and they can attack you, right? But as Danaher says, you need to gain the ability to be dangerous under pressure. And that is what we're trying to achieve in our open guard. So in my opinion, kind of what this boils down to is how quickly are you going to react to your opponent's movement? Meaning if your opponent takes a grip, are you immediately trying to break that grip? Or if your opponent steps off to an angle, are you immediately trying to realign yourself with them? Or if they close distance, are you immediately trying to scoot back and regain that distance? And by doing things like this, it, one way to put it would be that you're taking early frames. And Lachlan talks about in his leg drag prevention course that if you take early frames, they're great because it allows you to keep straight frames, meaning when your opponent is still really far away from you, you can get away with using a straight hand post and you know retaining your guard that way as opposed to if they were closer to you, you might have to use a forearm frame as opposed to a straight arm. Um, or even if they're like super close to you, you'd have to use like a backhand frame, um, not to get too, too into the weeds here, but um, basically like the earlier you frame, the longer frames that you can use and the easier it's gonna be for you to retain your guard. Kind of an easier way to think about it might be in terms of legs. Um, so a long frame would be, you know, you can always use your feet and keep your feet tor pointed towards your opponent. But if, they're so close to you, you might not be able to get your feet in. So you might need to get your knees in first and then make space for your feet to come in. So by responding early to your opponent's movements, you're able to keep longer frames and your defense is gonna be a lot stronger, right? 
But the downside to this is that your opponent doesn't really have to commit to one side. And because they're standing, the main advantage they have over us is speed. So a lot of times what, you know, the Josh McKinney from the Isaka Jiu-Jitsu show, he talks about this in one of his podcasts, how one of his strategies as the top player is to get two grips on his opponent's pants, like Toriando grips, and just kind of go side to side. And you're going side to side until you meet your partner's hands, and then you're going out and you're going to the other side. So basically, you're going side to side, you're using that advantage of mobility you have to wear down the bottom person. And the more that they have to recover and be on defense, the more they're tiring themselves out. So as the bottom player, we have to realize this, right? So if we're responding to our opponent's first movement very aggressively, they can get us to react or even overreact to their movements and thus either wear ourselves out or lead to a guard pass because they can go side to side very quickly. Now, the other approach is to let them get deeper into a guard pass. So say maybe you let them get a grip, you let them get angle, and you let them close the distance. So at this point, they're pretty deep on a guard pass, and it might be necessary for you to use shorter frames. Like you might have to bring your knee in first, you might have to use a forearm frame as opposed to a straight arm, because they've already gotten three steps into their six steps of guard passing, right? So that's a con of a slow reaction. However, a pro of a slow reaction is you force them to commit to one side. So they're not gonna be able to go side to side as easily because they're so far committed to the guard pass on that one side. So how we choose to respond to our opponent's guard passing movements is going to have a pro or a con associated with it, right? If we choose to respond early, we're going to be able to use longer frames and we're gonna be able to just kind of stuff that guard pass right away. But the more quickly they're going to be able to transition to their second guard pass, probably on the other side of our body, right? They have a huge mobility advantage and responding early allows them to use that advantage. And the way we take away or at least mitigate that advantage is by letting them get deeper into a guard pass on one side. So yes, we've sacrificed more elements of the guard pass and they're closer to completing the guard pass on that one side, but they're also more committed to that side. So they have to, it's harder at least for them to transition back to the other side. So as you can imagine, you're gonna get a lot of opinions about how to balance these two, right? And which way is best to approach your open guard. And in my opinion, after studying all of these resources, I think it's best to try and minimize the side-to-side -side movement as much as possible. And unfortunately what this means is a lot of times our opponent is going to get relatively deep on a guard pass and we're going to have to respond and hopefully counterattack from that position. So basically what this comes down to is we need to be dangerous under pressure. And those are Danaher, Danaher's words, not mine. And he brings up a really interesting point because he says that our opponent has the goal, right? of getting past our legs and often stepping to our hip or beyond our hip, up to our shoulders. And at this point, they're getting pretty close to passing our guard. But our opponent stepping to our hip is also what we need for leg lock entries. And just kind of the merging of these two goals is why leg locks are extremely important when you're talking about open guard. And if you can't get into the legs initially, you're at least trying to make connection to your opponent and realign yourself with them, meaning point your feet towards them. 
If you can point your feet towards them, you can use your feet as frames and hooks. And if you're able to use your feet as frames and hooks, you can control them. And if you can control your opponent, you can now start to go into your offense. So if you want to have a dangerous open guard, your first priority is to get really good at leg locks and positional advancement. And what Danaher kind of describes as positional advancement, or at least how to do it, is he says you use jujitsu to basically knock your partner down to their hip or hands, and then you, and then you go into some sort of wrestling to get to top position. So an example could be maybe you're in De La Hiva and you go for a tripod sweep to knock your opponent down to their butt and now you're wrestling from a situation that is much more neutral and you probably have a pretty good advantage at this point because you're controlling their foot. You can kind of just pick their foot off the mat. Um, so you're wrestling from a position of advantage because you're able to use your jujitsu effectively to off balance them. So if you're really good at leg locks and you're really good at positional advancement, your opponent knows that if you make connection to them, you're probably going to leg lock them, meaning like submit them right away. Or if that doesn't work, you're at least going to get to top position. So as they're working around your legs, if they're able to successfully get around your legs, they can't just chill, right? They can't just sit at your hip or sit at your shoulders because if you make connection to them, you're gonna enter their legs or you're gonna positionally advance, right? So instead of just chilling, they're gonna try and get chest to chest as soon as possible. And when they try and get chest to chest, we better have frames in place. And hopefully it's a knee elbow connection that is very strong and holds them off, right? And as they're trying to plow through our frames, that's when we set up our upper body attacks. So our triangles, our arm bars, things like that, they're only possible because our opponent is scared of our leg locks and positional advancement. They can't just hang out on the outside and wait for their openings. They have to charge prematurely and run into our frames because they're scared of our leg locks and positional advancement. And because they're just running into our frames, that gives us the ability to attack their upper body. And as they run from our upper body, we go into their legs. And as they run from our legs, we go into our positional advancement. So in a nutshell, this is what I've been teaching my students right now. And it's what I'm planning to make my next instructional on is basically reverse engineering this sequence here. So the first step is to make your guard difficult to pass. So when your opponent is trying to run around your legs and get to your hip, get to your shoulder, you're able to constantly realign yourself with them and get your feet pointed towards them. And once your feet are pointed towards them, you can use them as frames and hooks to control your opponent. And once we have control over them, we can put them down to their hip or down to their hands, which will facilitate a positional advancement or leg lock attack. And once we're good at advancing our position and attacking the legs, then we switch our attention to the upper body. Because in my opinion, your upper body submissions are gonna be very difficult to achieve if you don't follow it up with either leg locks or getting on top. So I know I didn't really go into specifics as far as technique goes, but this to me is very valuable. And it's basically what I've been spending the past like two months on is developing this roadmap for my class structure and my next instructional that I'm gonna put out. But please remember that this is just my interpretation of you know Gordon, Danaher, Lachlan, all of their teachings and me trying to just compile them into what I believe is the most effective model for open guard. So I encourage you if you have the time and resources to study all of this content yourself, it's probably the best way to go about it. 
And if you don't have the time or resources, that's why I am here to sift through it all to you and highlight what I believe to be the most important aspect. So if you trust me enough to take on that responsibility, thank you. And if I had to recommend one or two of these resources, it's always, it's always tough. They're all, they're all very good. Um, but if I had to pick just one, like you could only have one, I would probably pick either Danaher's first or second open guard instructional. And the reason I say first or second is because in the first one, he talks a lot about guard retention, which is really important. And then he goes into leg locks. But in the second one, he focuses a lot on positional advancement, which in my opinion, I think is more important than learning leg locks. I've been studying ADCC matches a lot, and that seems to be the most important skill. Like leg locks are super important. They're the most popular submission. You know, that and the rear naked choke are kind of right up there. But you know, when, when leg locks fail and the match kind of gets into the trenches, it comes down to who can get on top. And Danaher does a really good job of explaining the overview behind that. So I would get his open guard instructional if I had to get one. But with that said, they're, they're pretty expensive. So if you were on a budget, I, I say this all the time, like I don't think there's any better value than submeta right now. It's, it's like, it's a crazy, crazy amount of courses that you get for $25 a month. So not only do you get the open guard retention course, you get the Dale Heva course, you get the reverse Dale Heva course, you get the side control escapes, you get the north south escapes, you get everything in you know one package. So if I had to pick one, I would probably get Danaher's. If you're looking for you know best bang for your buck, maybe you know you're on a you're on a bit of a budget, I think submeta is the it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat submeta. So hopefully you found this helpful and it gave you some guidance as to what to study and some insights into what I have been studying myself over the past couple months and hopefully gets you excited for what's to come in the, uh, in the near future. So uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for the support and I'll see you guys next time.